Hey, this is Josh Davis. I'm the pastor at Grace Point Fellowship, and this is our podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so we can get you these messages every single week. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Have you ever anticipated something so highly, and when it arrived, it was nothing like you expected it to be? Maybe it was a, an online purchase. You bought the coolest shirt, and then that size large that you bought was actually like a size extra small when you put it on, and either you think that you've done something or it was the wrong size that sent, right? Anticipation, it's filled with emotion. It's filled with this emotion of excitement. It's filled with this, this emotion of, of expectation. But there are instances in life where our reality of expectation, or where our expectations don't meet, match reality. Uh, Audrey and I, when we take road trips, will occasionally stop uh, at a fast food joint. And Audrey's a much more um, adventurous eater than I am. People will call me picky for some reason, um, but that's their own thing. I like to, I eat my food, just I'm very particular about the food that I eat. And so Audrey's the adventurous one. And when I go to a restaurant and go to somewhere, I know what I like, so I'm not going to order off the menu or, you know, those people, those of you that will say to a waiter or a waitress, hey, surprise me, like, I don't understand you people, <laughs> right? Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. And so I'm like, I know what I want, I want a burger. We go to Burger King, I'm getting a burger and fries. That's what I'm going to get. Now, Audrey, she'll go somewhere, or we'll go somewhere, and she'll look at the menu, and she'll be like, huh, what am I going to get today? And she'll, she'll see the pictures on the boards, and be like, that, that looks fantastic. I want that. And then the order comes out, and that picture on the screen does not look like what's on the plate. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so the most recent trip we had over the summer, we stopped at Burger King on the way to one of our camping trips, and, and she ordered this, this sourdough bread burger thing. I can't remember exactly, but it was sourdough bread, this burger, and it looked like this giant, huge burger. She's like, I don't know if I'm going to be, be able to finish all this. And then it comes out in the wrapping, and the wrapping's like half the size of what the picture is. The burger's like flopped off the edge. The sourdough bread that's like supposed to be on Texas toast is like a standard thickness of bread. And it looks nothing like the picture. And I was reminded as we were having that conversation, he's like, I can't, I don't know why I continue to do this. And I re remembered, I was, uh, I've got a friend in Portland who works at a marketing agency. And so I got to hang out with him one day and just kind of tour their facility. So they do all these kinds of different things. And, and he was telling me about the food ads that they'll do at times. And he says, yeah, the food ads are great because that's never real food. It's like, what are you talking about, Chris? And he goes, yeah, oftentimes the, the food stuff that we do, the marketing that we do with food is often made out of clay. Like we'll do these different things or we use different elements and textures to kind of make things look bigger. So we'll, we'll fill it and then do clay around it kind of stuff. I was like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, it's all about the marketing. And I was like, that's crazy. And so I reminded Audrey of this moment. And, and, and there's this thing on social media, like it's called, it's a hashtag Instagram versus reality. Where like people on Instagram will post this picture that's worth a million dollars. But when you look at it, there's, there's this picture that's a million dollar picture and they'll take the camera of this picture and then they'll turn like 30 degrees 
and there's like 150 other people. It's like this beautiful, serene picture where you're standing on a cliff, and then you turn, and there's like 400 other people standing there waiting their turn in line, so it's not like this beautiful, momentous moment. It's like, hurry up, get your picture done, because there's 100 other people that are waiting to get their picture done. It's this like incredible thing, this, this reality, this perception that, that's painted on social media with, when the expectation or when the reality of it isn't anything like it. We're beginning a series today called Wonder. It's our Christmas series. Uh, as we're, we're looking at this, this word wonder and the wonder in the Christmas story, and, and we live in a world, we live in a world that, that's often, it's often clouded by the routine. It's clouded by familiarity. And, and the hope for this series, my hope for this series, Wonder, is that it'll help us rediscover the wonder that's really wrapped up in the Christmas story. From the miraculous announcement to the wonder that's wrapped up in just a simple name of Jesus, to the wonder of the humility that, came, that Jesus came in when he was born as a baby into a manger. My prayer for this series as it leads us up into Christmas is that we will have open hearts and fresh eyes ready to encounter the Christmas story in a different way. That word wonder, if you were to look it up in a dictionary, it can mean this. In the Oxford Dictionary, that word wonder, it says it's a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. In Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, it says a wonder is a cause of astonishment or admiration. There's many things in life that, that can create awe and wonder, right? Like the Great Wall of China, Machu Picchu, the, the Colosseum. There's many things that can create wonder in our life. Nature can create wonder. Space can create wonder. Technology can create wonder. Birth can create wonder. Wonder can be found in the grand and the subtle. Wonder can be found in the known and the mysterious. Wonder, it can be found in the extraordinary aspects of life and the ordinary aspects of life. Today I want to talk to you from this idea, the wonder of an announcement. The wonder of an announcement. For centuries, 400 years, the people of Israel had not heard a single thing from God. God had gone radio silent on his chosen people. They hadn't got a new prophecy, they hadn't had psalms, they hadn't had words of encouragement. For 400 years, they heard nothing from God. And then, in an incredible moment, God broke the silence with a momentous announcement. Throughout the ages, you look back even to the earliest chapters of Genesis, Scripture continually talks and points to a coming Messiah. Someone who would, would free the world, free the nation of Israel from the bondage of sin. Someone who would come and establish God's kingdom on earth. And so there was this anticipation. There was this waiting that took place. People were waiting for the fulfillment of this divine prophecy of a Messiah, a Savior who was to come. And God's plan, it, it was unfolding in a way that nobody expected. 
It was unfolding in a way that that left people kind of scratching their heads, wondering what's going on. It caused them to begin to rethink everything that they knew about their Savior. And as it turns out, God's surprises are always in supply. And the wonder of a tiny baby Jesus still has us talking nearly 2,000 years later. Now, when I said that we're going to talk about the wonder of an announcement today, Many of you, I would assume, went to the wonder of the announcement of the angel Gabriel had with Mary. But there was actually an announcement about the birth of Jesus that preceded the announcement to Mary. We find that in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 11 is where we're going to be, or we're going to start out today. And it says in verse 11, it says, While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear, when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Verse 17 says, he will be a man with this uh, man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this is going to happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Imagine. Imagine the wonder that that Zachariah faces. He was a priest, and he was a priest, and he's at the temple. And as he's at the temple, in the temple, they had sent him into the, the inner courts of the temple. And, and, and he experiences an angel. Can you imagine the wonder that's wrapped up in that, that moment? Where he gets to be face to face with an angel. The angel of God, Gabriel. He says, your son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's ever even born. He says, your son, Zechariah, is going to turn Israelites to God. And what's Zachariah's response? How in the world is this possible? I'm an old man now. Like my childbearing years, they're gone. They've they've gone past. There's no way that I'm going to be able to have a kid. Because as you know, physically, it gets harder the older you get to have children. And so he's like, I'm an old man. How how am I? How is Elizabeth going to be able to have kids? No matter where you're at today. No matter what things that that you personally might be waiting on, remember this, that God's plans often work out in unexpected ways. God's plans, they work out in ways that we might not expect, ways that we don't anticipate, things that we might not seem possible. God's plans often work out in ways that are unexpected. And there's times in life when when we react to the plans of God And there's three responses typically that people will have to the promises of God. 
And the first response is typically Zechariah's response. People doubt God's plan. People will doubt the plans of God. Zechariah, he, he doubted God's plans, similar to Abraham, similar to Gideon, similar to Thomas. He doubted. An angel comes and gives him a word, and he, he doubts God's plans. And because of the doubt that Zechariah had, he was made mute. He was made unable to speak. And you look at this story, and it makes sense. Like, it makes sense why Zechariah had doubt. He knows how old he is. He knows how old Elizabeth is. It makes sense from a human perspective that Zechariah was going to have doubts. But with God, anything's possible. With God, anything, anything that is beyond our comprehension, anything that is beyond our ability to understand, it is completely possible with God. What God promises, he delivers. And he does it on his time, not ours. You might think that the appearance of an angel would have actually boosted Zachariah's faith. But in that moment, when, when Zachariah experiences an angel, instead of, of focusing on his, the, the angel that's in front of him, Zachariah takes his perspective, his focus, off of the word of the Lord, and he directs his focus to his current circumstances. He says, I'm standing in front of an angel, but, but I'm old. I've got the angel of the Lord in front of me, and I'm, I'm taking my eyes off of the angel, and I'm looking at myself, saying, I'm old. There's no possible way that I can have a child. His perspective shifted from God to his circumstances. So he concluded that it was an impossibility for him and Elizabeth to have a child. And just like Zachariah doubted, the possibility of, of having a child at an old age. We often doubt God's ability to surprise us. We have to learn to embrace the unexpected from God and recognize that God's plans might actually defy human logic. That God's plans might not be able for us to comprehend and what I find interesting is, as we look at this passage is that Zechariah, he was a priest. He's at the temple. He's serving in the temple. He's going about his daily life. He's just doing everyday stuff. He's not doing anything crazy, anything out of the ordinary. He's just doing the mundane. Remember, I said that, that life, we do things in routine. This is what Zechariah is doing. He's in the routine of life. And it's in the routine of life, in his daily life, that God shows up. That the angel of the Lord shows up and speaks to him. And I look through scripture and I see it's often... When people are doing just the regular, ordinary things is when God begins to show up and begins to speak to people. Look at Moses. When God shows up in a burning bush, Moses is just out with the sheep. He's hanging out in a field and a burning bush shows up and God speaks to Moses in the ordinary part of his life. David is out in a field shepherding his father's sheep and he gets a word from the Lord. Gideon is, is threshing wheat and he gets a word from the Lord. It's in the ordinary things of life that God's word shows up. But here the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah, and he doubted. And maybe you're listening today, maybe you're, you're watching today, and you're doubting. You're doubting that God has heard your prayers because they haven't been answered yet. And what happens is you've allowed this gap to develop. 
This gap between reality and your expectations. And it's in the middle of this gap between your reality and your expectations where impatience shows up. Where discouragement shows up right in here where, where what's happening and what you're expecting don't align. They don't meet up. That's where discouragement comes. That's where impatience comes. And maybe you're here today and you're doubting because of the challenges that you're, you're facing. The challenges that you're wrestling with in life, they perceive to be, you perceive them to be impossibilities. And like Zechariah, you find yourself looking at your current circumstances instead of trusting the promises of God. Maybe today you're here and you're doubting because you have a misunderstanding of what God's grace looks like. You've got personal struggles with guilt, with shame, with, with worthiness, and it's leading you to question whether or not God sees you as worthy to have your prayers even be heard. We don't know if Zachariah was in the middle of praying for a child in that moment when the angel shows up. It can probably be assumed that he wasn't actually praying for a child because he said his response was, I'm old. It was probably a prayer that Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed years before when they were in their childbearing years. They had probably prayed, Lord, we're ready to start a family. We're ready to take that next step in our relationship and have children. And as they prayed that prayer and didn't have children, their prayer probably waned like many of ours would because we hadn't had a response yet. It didn't seem like it was possible. And so that prayer that they had been praying, the frequency of it had gotten less and less, and ultimately that prayer that they had prayed years ago was placed up on a shelf because nothing ever happened to it, seemingly. And remember what happened to Zechariah when he doubted, when he doubted God's promise. He was made unable to speak. It's been said that we, when we don't believe God's promise for our lives, we don't necessarily destroy the promise, but we do destroy our ability to enjoy the promise. See, unbelief, it silences us. But faith, faith on our lips, it opens our mouths to praising God. But here's the thing. This word that had been given, it was done in God's timing. Not in Zachariah's, not in Elizabeth's. This promise was done in God's timing. He decided to answer a prayer that had been hanging around for years. And it was in his divine timing that the prayer was finally answered. Here's the thing. God remains faithful to his promises, even if we may have shifted our focus in our lives. Even if we may have given up on specific prayers, God remains faithful to us. Be encouraged today that God's ways are beyond our comprehension. God's ways are higher than ours. It doesn't always make sense to us. God hears our prayers, but he operates in a divine timeline, not in a human timeline. He operates on, on his time. Don't doubt God's faithfulness because you haven't received the answer to the prayer that you've been praying. God is in the business of answering prayers, but he does it often when we least expect it. The second way that we respond to the promises of God is we surrender to God's promises. We surrender to God's plans. And in Luke, further down in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
And I love that the Bible points this out because it shows the, the interconnectivity between Elizabeth's pregnancy with John and Mary's pregnancy with Jesus. There's an interconnection that, that, that takes place. The, the story of Scripture is interwoven together. And so it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby, will be born, the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. I remember when, when Audrey and I were first pregnant and by we, I mean Audrey. All right, I understand, I did not have a child. Did not carry, I carried the weight of a child did not have the child. But I remember when, when we were first pregnant with, with Ezra, he's our firstborn, and the excitement that, that took place. We were so excited to announce it to our family and to our friends, and, and so we did something special. We, we videotaped every family member, every friend that we announced it to. And, and so here's a, just a few of the announcements that we made to some friends and family. Check this out. It was so fun to watch the reactions of, of family and friends. We, we took uh, a jar of baby food and, and gave it as a gift to, to my parents and to my grandma to, to share with them this announcement of, of our first child, their first grandchild, great-grandchild. And, and the excitement on their faces, it was priceless. It was incredible. We gave pictures to Audrey's parents. We created these pictures for them. And, and this picture that I'm going to put on the screen for you is the one that we gave to Audrey's mom. It's a picture of Audrey with a, a pillow stuffed in her, her jammies, and it says, when you go from playing mommy to being mommy. Aww. It was exciting, but we knew that we were having a kid. We were aware of it, and Mary had no idea. Mary has no idea that, that she was going to, to have a child. She's just hanging out at home, and guess what? An angel shows up. And says, hey, Mary, you're a teenager. 
You've never been married before, never been with a man, and you're going to have a baby. Can you imagine the shock and the awe that transpires? But this moment, this announcement, it was pivotal in the story of Scripture. This announcement to Mary that, that she was going to have a baby, it was pivotal because it meant that the Messiah that everybody had been waiting for, the Messiah that scriptures from the early chapters of Genesis had been pointing to, the Messiah was finally going to come. But this birth announcement, the announcement of Jesus, it didn't come like people thought. It didn't come in a way that they expected. The birth announcement for Jesus, it didn't take place where people thought it was going to take place. It took place in Galilee, not in Judea, the center of Jerusalem or the center of Israel. Galilee was a place that had been overcome and overwhelmed with Gentiles. And so the Jews viewed Galilee as a, a, a negative place. But yeah, that's where Jesus was going to come from. It took place in a town called Nazareth, not in Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Nazareth was a, a town that that was corrupt and it was despised by many of the Jews. It took place in the privacy of Mary's home, not in the temple where the Lord dwells. This announcement of the birth of Jesus, it didn't come to whom people expected it to come to. It came to a teenage girl who was a virgin, had never been married, instead of to the king instead of to a governor, instead of to her husband. Because remember, in that time, in that context, the, the women of that era were looked at as second class. So the fact that Mary got the announcement, not her to-be husband, Joseph, was significant. It didn't happen the way everybody expected it to. And Mary didn't understand. It didn't make sense to her, but her response was, be it unto me. Be it unto me, and, and that, that response that Mary's, Mary has, it becomes a timeless example for you and for me about embracing God's plans, even when his plans defy human logic. Even when his plans don't make sense to us. Here's Mary, a teenager, never having been with a man in her life, and she's told she's going to have a baby and she's going to get pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. May everything that you have said about me come true. She surrenders her personal plans to God's bigger plans for her life. Her willingness to surrender is an example for us to surrender to God even when we fully, when we don't fully understand. Even when it doesn't completely make sense to us, it's an example that we should surrender to God's plans. Because here's the thing, surrender at its core is a willingness to release our grip on the outcome of our lives. Surrender is our willingness to, to release the grip of the outcome. It's an acknowledgement that our understanding is limited. Our understanding is finite. And there is wisdom that's beyond ours at play. When Mary said, be it unto me, may everything that you have said about me, may it come true, it encapsulates this willingness to allow the plans of God to unfold. You see, surrender is not a passive resignation. Surrender is an active participation 
in God's story. It's allowing God's story to unfold. Mary didn't just resign herself to fate. She actively participated in a divine narrative. Surrender fundamentally is an act of faith. And our surrender, like Mary's, involves a willingness to let go of our own agendas and surrender our expectations, surrender our understanding, surrender our agendas to God. It's an acknowledgement that God's ways are higher than our ways. It's an acknowledgement that God's plans might be mysterious, but they are always purposeful. Surrender is an invitation to align our will with the will of God. It's trusting God's design, God's plan for our lives. True surrender is not resignation. True surrender is revival of the soul. It's an invitation for God to rewrite the story of our lives. And it requires us to step into the unknown with confidence that God's intention for our lives are rooted in love, rooted in faithfulness. It's a declaration that despite our best efforts to navigate our life, that there is a God who has divine intelligence that is beyond our understanding. That's what surrender is. Surrender acknowledges God's timeline. And Mary accepts God's plan. She had her own plans to get married, start a family one day. But she surrendered herself to the grander plan that the God had for her. Surrender, it invites us to release our impatience and align ourselves with a divine clock. Trusting that every season has a purpose within God's overarching plan. Which means that if we're going to trust God's plan works out in unexpected ways, that we're probably going to have to react in this way. We're going to have to wait for God's timing. We're going to have to wait. We have to wait for God's timing. We're going to have to be patient. The waiting period is where God develops us. It's where God develops and prepares us for the promise that he's spoken into our lives. Think about Abraham for a moment. There's a, a, a man in the book of Genesis named Abraham. Abraham was given a promise that he too in his old age was going to have a son. And Abraham then he took plans into his own hands. And he slept with his wife's servant, Hagar. She became pregnant. And that decision for Abraham to take God's plans, place them in his own hands, Abraham's hands, it caused a giant mess. It caused a whole lot of family drama that we are still dealing with the ramifications of multiple thousands of years later. Because he didn't trust God's timeline. He didn't trust God's plan. He took matters into his own hands. But here's the thing that I love about the Bible. It points out that impatience, like Abraham's, it can still shortcut things, but it still brings about God's results. It's like taking a five-course meal if we, we can't be patient. It's like taking a five-course meal and throwing it in, in, throwing it in the microwave. You're still going to get some food, but it's probably not going to be overly satisfying. When we take God's plans and we take them into our hands, it may still work out, but there's going to be consequences. There are going to be ramifications of trying to take control of God's divine plan. 
And here's the good part about that. Even when we mess up, even when we make mistakes, even when we try to, to grab hold of God's plan and, and do it our way. You look at the Bible, the Bible isn't here just to point out our missteps, to point out our mistakes. It's also a guide to navigate, for us to navigate our journey of faith. So while we try and do it the wrong way, there's, there's steps in there, there's things in there that help us surrender, relinquish control. It, it nudges us towards this thing. Scripture nudges us towards this thing called patient endurance. And in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. And, and maybe you're like, that kind of sounds like a marathon, patient endurance. Like, I don't know how to, to patiently endure. Like, I just, I struggle with patience. And then you talk about enduring. Like, that's challenging. I don't know how to do that. But it's in this enduring faith, this enduring patience that, that, that the sweet spot comes, where the fulfillment of God's promises come. It's been said that patience is not the ability to wait. Patience is the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. Patience isn't the ability to wait. It's the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. Life has moments. Life has seasons where things are unfolding that we can't fast forward through. And patience, it's not just sitting there. It's not just tapping your foot and just maintaining a positive outlook throughout the course of it. It's finding joy in the present moment, even when circumstances aren't moving as quickly as we desire them to do. Jesus responded, and Jesus said in John chapter 13, he said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. God's delays are not denials. Understand that. That God is preparing you for something that he has prepared for you. He's doing something in this waiting. He's doing something in the doubting that, that you need to just be patient and wait on. Relinquish control, surrender, and allow God to move. Allow God to work. Patience is the bridge between a dream conceived and a dream realized. Patience isn't just waiting. It's having a positive outlook while you're waiting. Picture a little acorn about that big. And you take that acorn, put it in the ground, bury it, put some water on it, call it good. And what happens? That little acorn just sits there. You don't see anything happening. It's buried. It's out of sight, out of mind. And to the impatient eye, that acorn, it might seem dormant. It might seem like nothing is transpiring. But here's the thing. In God's timing, that little acorn becomes a mighty, gigantic oak tree. It illustrates that waiting on the promises of God, it's not a passive state. It is a dynamic process as we wait on the Lord. It's not just about enduring. It's about embracing moments with a heart full of gratitude, with a mind turned toward the beauty that can be found in the journey with Jesus. No matter how long that journey takes, the journey of doubting, the journey of surrender, the journey of patiently waiting, it's interwoven with the tapestry of our faith. Doubts aren't roadblocks, they're opportunity for God to affirm 
his promises. Surrender is not defeat. It's an active partnership with the divine. Patience and waiting, it's not a passive stance. It's a demonstration of enduring faith. In the midst of doubt, God's promises still unfold. In the silence of waiting, his orchestration is wove together in the patterns that far surpass human comprehension, that far surpass human understanding. The doubts, the surrender, the waiting, they weren't detours. They were part of God's grand narrative, God's plan for your life. In our own stories, they echo these sentiments. These sentiments, that, that, that there are moments of doubt where God's promises seem too grand. The times of surrender where we struggle to yield our own plans to the plans of God. The seasons of waiting where patience is a struggle. And yet in those moments, in those moments, beauty lies in the unexpected ways that God's plan works out. Just like the wonder of the announcement of the birth of Jesus didn't match people's expectations, God's plan for our lives unfolds in ways that we might have never anticipated, never expected. The challenge for us is while there's that wonder, that amazement of God's plan unfolding, can we be patient? Can we surrender to his timeline instead of ours? Can we allow ourselves to not have to be in control? Can we allow ourselves to believe to believe that God is working even when it might not look like it? Can we believe that God hears our prayers even if they haven't yet been answered? Because God answers prayers and sometimes not in the way that we expect him to, not in the way that we hope that he would, but our prayers get answered. They may not happen in the timeline that we would, but can we surrender to that? Can we accept that God is moving even when we don't see it. God, we come before you this morning and we just say thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for the wonder that's wrapped up in this incredible announcement. God, thank you that you don't do things the way that we expect them to be done. God, that you do things in ways that are, don't make sense. You do things in ways and in times that are on your timeline. God, I pray today that you would help us to let go of the desire to control our timelines, but God, that we would relinquish control, that we would surrender to a divine timeline, trusting that, God, your ways are higher than ours, your understanding is bigger than ours, your comprehension is greater than ours. God, we, would we release our desire to hold on tightly to the outcome, to the journey of our faith. God, we ask you to help us to be patient. 
patient as we hold on to prayers, that we hold on to dreams, as we hold on to the promises that you've given us. Where we wait patiently on your divine timeline, we ask. As we keep praying this morning, maybe you're here and you've never given up control of your life. You've never surrendered to the plans of Jesus, the ways of Jesus. You've never surrendered to a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe today you're ready to, to come back. You made that decision a long time ago and you've tried to do things your own way and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus once again. With heads bowed and eyes closed here in just a moment, I'm just gonna simply ask you to raise your hand on the count of three and what we'll do is we'll repeat a prayer together. We'll repeat it line by line, everybody in the room. We don't wanna single you out, we don't wanna embarrass you. But if that's you today, you're ready to surrender. You're ready to give up control of your life. You recognize that the way you've been trying to do life hasn't worked. And all it's done is cause you pain. All it's done is cause you heartache. And today is the day that you walked in and you're ready to release control. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, on the count of three, would you just simply slip your hand up and say, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you today. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else today ready to surrender control of their life? Would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I'm ready to give up control. You went to the cross. You paid the penalty for my sin. You sacrificed your life. Today, Jesus, I receive freedom. I receive new life. I surrender to you. Jesus, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we join in with the party in heaven this morning? Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others with a life-changing message to Jesus by partnering with us today at mygracepoint.church/give. And thanks again for joining us on the My Grace Point podcast.